Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. I'm Edward Schuler, joined by Salim Sudawala. Salim, how's it going today? Hey, Ed, it's going well. Uh, happy Bulls finally were able to get that monkey off their back and get a win, a much needed win, obviously, because it was against the Cavs, who are like right on their tail with that six, you know, seven seed playing potential, obviously, with the Raptors as well. They're not far behind. So I think like last night's win probably secures them a little bit more to avoid the plan but yeah uh, well in regards to the bulls being being able to win finally and then well as for me in general having a good sunday and just enjoying my time yeah same here uh we were about right on our prediction about what they would do last week at like, I think I was saying two and two, but I was afraid if I was being too optimistic given everything that had come before that. But two and two seemed about right uh, and kind of gave a little bit of margin for error for the New Orleans game, too. But, uh, yeah, they, they had a really good performance yesterday against Cleveland. They are in the driver's seat for the fifth seed. So uh, it, it's not as bad as it was a week ago. So I guess that's a that's a good thing, right? <laughs> so they, yeah, yeah, I mean. It is like, I mean, it is what it is. Like, there, we'll talk about it more as far as uh, their 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 struggles. But I mean, they they're essentially a bad road road team, and that's what it essentially comes down to. Obviously, the whole thing about them not beating the top three teams or whatever in each conference. <laughs> but even like that, you know, I said they're more competitive at home than they are on the road. So. Yeah, if I see that uh, StatMuse post about the the Bulls are 0-16 or 0-forever against the top three teams and it has, like, DeMar smiling and shit, if I have to see that one more time, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I know, <laughs> I'm right? so you tired know, the, of the, the funny thing is, like, people are dunking on that tweet. It's like, well, the Bulls are the first seed in the East at the All-Star break, so I don't know what people are dunking on. They've just been, they've just been on a strong lose, like losing streaks since all-star game so yeah again that has to do with struggling against like really good teams but there's a lot of variables involved yeah well twitter says they're fraud boys so i guess they are fraud boys but uh yeah we got a lot to get into today uh bulls coming off coming off a pretty good win against the cleveland cavaliers last night again in the driver's seat to hold on to the fifth seed after uh last week struggling a lot of lost like eight of their uh last 10 since the all-star break but some signs of hope yesterday and uh we're gonna break that down and we're gonna get into some of the home road splits that Celine was talking about and we're gonna also talk about 
uh, what we can expect from the team in their next four games as we approach uh, the end of the season and get ready for the playoffs. So joining us to do that, uh, one of our favorite guys that we love to talk Bulls basketball with. He does great work for premium hoops. Great writer. Always has great takes and just breaks down tape like no other. Uh, Chris Amundsen. Chris, thank you so much for joining us again, man. Thank you guys for having me. It's a little sad that uh, the the Barham Network is not part of my name anymore. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the layer of moving on, but for a good, I sacrificed for a good cause. But it's been yeah. uh, it's 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 nice to to be back with you guys. I know you guys are still going strong with Bulls Golden. Always always lovely to to speak with you, gentlemen. No, definitely great to have you. I've been been trying to get you back in bulls conversation so I'm, I'm happy to i'm happy that you were able to join us today yeah we are we're really always happy to get your insight on the bulls and it's, it's been a struggle but again this week win against the raptors predictable loss against milwaukee pelicans loss like i don't know if that's predictable but I guess i think we were kind of calling it but then the uh game against the cavaliers a good win so you mentioned right before you hopped on that you were uh, about to watch some tape on the Cleveland Cavaliers but uh, game, but what did you think about last night's win, and how do you see this win? Do you see this win being able to carry some momentum out for the team as they close out the season? So what are your thoughts? It's been kind of shocking to see how different this team looks in March than they did at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. And I know we attributed a lot of it a lot of it to the injuries with Caruso and Lonzo specifically out. And then, you know, Zach's been kind of in and out with that knee issue. But the team's identity all year long has been really strong perimeter defense, getting out in transition, you know, getting in passing lanes, just being really disruptive on the defensive end. And then their offense has been so dynamic, even though they don't take a lot of threes, they're, they, you know, usually been pretty good at making the shots that they're taking. Um, but it's just been like bizarro world the last few weeks. And I know it's, mm-hmm. you know, the record against winning teams is, is concerning as it should be. Um, but the, but the bulls are beating good teams early in the year. Um, the teams that are now the top three in each conference, you know, some of those guys weren't even weren't the top three. So that stat that you said that always pisses you off from stat news, <laughs> don't follow stat news or trash, but yeah, um, they are. <laughs> yeah you, you see it every once in a while. And, I get it. It does tell you that the Bulls are not quite there. But I remember two months ago, we were talking about the Bulls as, you know, maybe a move away from being in title contention and, and you know, having home court advantage and, the, you know, injuries stink. But your question was about whether this Cavaliers game can be some sort of a, you know, catalyst to them riding the ship. I really hope so because, uh, you know, currently being in the fifth or sixth seed, um, you know, but right out of seventh, right? I mean, the, the Cavs and the, the Raptors are right on our heels. And I would not look forward to a play-in series against the Nets or the Hawks, for example. Both teams, I think, are better than their record would show. Um, and then, you know, losing home court advantage would, would really stink. So I, I hope so. They certainly didn't make it easy, easy on themselves last night in the last few minutes of that game. Uh, there were some questionable calls, but, you know, they did, they did pull it out. And it was on the road against a team with a very, very similar record and who has also suffered through a lot of injuries this year in, in the Cavs. So mm-hmm. I do hope it will be, but there's still a lot of concerning things. Lonzo being out or possibly being out for the year is really depressing. 
uh, because he and Caruso together, I think, just take our defense to uh, another level. Um, but I still think there's a lot to be gained this year. I think it's a successful season. Um, and I, I hope we can see them in a first-round series relatively healthy if we can. Yeah, it, it's a, it's about the consistency on the defensive end. Like, I think, like, against the Raptors last week and yesterday against the Cavs, you saw the physicality, them actually defending, like, the way they were defending earlier on the season. But against, like, the Bucks and the Pelicans, that physicality wasn't there. It's like – finding a way to consistently show up every night has probably been another struggle for this team. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. And, and, and sorry. And sorry. No I don't want to cut you off. And, and, and regardless of the injury issue, like the consistency of effort, I feel like that's been a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. And I think that's why it kind of felt like bizarre world world for me to watch them more recently, because that was the hallmark of their team. And I know even with Lons and Crusoe out, you know, the defense was going to suffer, but that identity should still be there. And it really hasn't been even with Caruso back. Now, Crusoe obviously has been phenomenal on the defensive end as advertised. Um, but it's just, yeah, you, you've got games like the Pelicans and the Kings where they just don't look engaged all the time. And they're not, you know, the, the rotations aren't crisp. The rotations aren't even made sometimes or they're made the wrong way. And, you know, if you're, if you're playing guys like Io, who's a rookie, he's going to make some of those mistakes, those mental errors, just because of the lack of familiarity. But, you know, guys like Vooch and Damar and Zach and Tristan Thompson, these guys are veterans. And, you know, there, there should be more consistency there. So I agree. It is troubling. And I think that's that more than anything is what worries me going into a playoff series is they have to bring it every night. Like there's no – you can't have an off night. You can't have an off quarter in a playoff series, especially if you don't have home court advantage. So that's got to change. And it's, you know, they've got a few more games here against quality opponents, some of them to hopefully get that consistency back and, and get on the right foot going into the, the first round. Yeah. The, uh, the Miami Milwaukee Boston stretch that is a part of, uh, I think that starts Saturday, I believe that's going to be uh it's gonna be brutal <laughs> uh and i i wanted to get back to what you were saying about the mentality that this team has when they not even when they just play play like have these stinkers against sacramento and new orleans but the mentality when they're going against these teams that are just as good and better than them like why does it why do you think it shifts so much? I think like when we were when we were watching this team early in the season, granted every game wasn't in the NBA every game you're not going to get like consistency each night no matter who you're playing, but it definitely felt like this team played with a level of urgency and they were cleaner, they were crisper, they you know, they they played a a, a little faster. It, it just seemed like they were <laughs> I guess they peaked at the wrong time, I guess, looking back, but it it was a brand of basketball that I think was really sustainable. But now with, you know, with Caruso and Ball both being out for an extended period of time and then, you know, Io hitting a wall for a little bit too and, uh, you know, Vooch has kind of been, you know, up and down throughout the season, it's definitely suffered. So, like, why do you think that mentality for them has really kind of declined as we've gone deeper in the season? 
I think a couple of factors. Number one is this team was almost brand new coming into the season. So I, I don't think a lot of teams knew how to effectively counter what the Bulls were going to do because the Bulls hadn't done anything like that before. Mm-hmm. And so, and the Bulls had a lot to prove coming into the season. There was a lot of doubters, as you guys know. Everyone thought they would be a playing team. DeMar was the worst sign of the offseason, that kind of stuff. So I think there was a chip on a lot of people's shoulders on the Bulls team to prove people wrong. And there was a lot of buy-in and there was a lot of confidence, especially early on, that they could pull it out. And that, you know, and we noticed multiple times where they'd get punched in the mouth several times in the game and they just still keep fighting. And that, that mentality you talked about, Ed, they had it and they had it through the first two or three months of the season. I'm not exactly sure what changed other than the injuries, but that that confidence that they could pull out a game that they could just keep fighting through punches has disappeared and not not completely but it's not as consistent as it was before and i don't know if it has to do with the fact that you know their defense has struggled so much that they've just had to basically uh, win games by shootouts which you know they they're equipped mm-hmm. to do against bad teams but you're not going to win that way against the elite teams and so when you consistently lose to elite teams and you can't play the defense that you were playing earlier, that wears on you mentally, I think. And it, you know, that irrational confidence that you can beat anybody starts to be uh, attacked by, <laughs> you know, the record, yeah. right? The record and the track record that says, actually, you know, the, the, the Philadelphia 76ers just kick your butt every time and there's nothing you can do about it. And, you know, when you get into a little spiral like that, NBA games are games of runs sometimes and seasons, I think follow the same trends and you're going to have runs of good and bad. And so that kind of mentality can spiral pretty quickly as we've seen in the month, month of March. So you got to create those new habits and games like against the Raptors and against the, the Cavs that we've had recently. Those are the ones that, you know, Billy needs to say this, this mentality that you came out with these games, that's the kind of, you know, that we need every night. These are good teams that you beat because you did X, Y, and Z, you know, but it's, it's a problem. It's a huge problem. And it's something that they've been talking about that they're addressing. And, you know, we need to see an action. A thing that was interesting to me last night was obviously we've talked about the defense consistency as far as the effort levels, but offensively in the fourth quarter, like for most of the season, it's been where, Fourth quarter champ comes and we give the ball to DeMar and DeMar does his magic, you know, a lot of stuff around in the mid-range game. But last night I felt like it was a more well-rounded offensive game for the entire team. You had a bunch of different people contributing in that fourth quarter. Um, And I'm interested to see how that goes on for the rest of the season because I do feel like while the defense has been inconsistent, we've also seen a really drop in offensive play as well for the Bulls. So I think teams have kind of figured out like what our bread and butter is and they say, okay, well, we know that if we kind of cut the snake off the head um, or the head off the snake, mm-hmm. the, the other way doesn't make sense. But, <laughs> <laughs> cut the snake off the head. Off, yeah, the head <laughs> off the snake. Um, I think uh, th- th- that kind of, you know, stopped Amar and stopped the Bulls and essentially what has become the motto but last night you saw a change of how the Bulls approached the game offensively. Uh, what are your thoughts on that as well? Like, do you see that something? That, do you think that was just circumstantial yesterday? Or do you think maybe that could be something that we see more of for the rest of the season heading into the playoffs? 
I hope we see more of it. I really like that. I'm glad you brought that up because I noticed that uh, as I was watching the fourth quarter last night that the ball was just moving. And I, I think part of it was a, a function of the Cavaliers being really aggressive and pressing and, and, and trying to trap whoever had the ball in their hands. Um, you know, and they, and they did get a couple turnovers and I got a jump ball off one of, the, one of those possessions. So, you know, I think the Cavs played it as well as they could. But the Bulls were committed to passing and finding the open guy, and it got them some easy buckets. You know, Io um, got a little pump fake and drive for a layup late in the game that was really critical when when the score was close. And um, you know, there was some good plays down the stretch there. Demar, I know it didn't count, but he did a nice little three hundred and sixty dunk. If you guys caught that, yeah. Which as soon as he did, I was like, Demar, maybe you should just chill out. We need you. I don't want you to like twist your back or something with 10 games to go in the season. He had, um, he had another nice dunk reverse on Larry. <laughs> the did. reverse one. Yeah. 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 No, he's, man, I love DeMar has been so cool, but I, I do hope now listen, a stat came out the other day by SIS hoops, which, um, which Laro now works for. So yes. I, I got, mm-hmm. I feel like I wrote it. We have to, we have to, um, but it, it had like, isolation scoring in the fourth quarter and it showed DeMar and DeMar was scoring like 1.38 points per possession <laughs> on isolation, <laughs> which is, would be the best offense in the NBA by a billion. Um, but generally running isolation in the fourth quarter is not ideal, right? It's the, right. it's the thing that you go to when nothing else works, when your play breaks down. And it's nice to have guys like Zach and DeMar who can be effective in those situations but if you want to win a playoff game, if you want to win a playoff series, you have to punish the defense and get them into motion. You cannot just rely on DeMar 17 footers as amazing as they've been this year. That should not be your bread and butter. That should be your backstop. And so I hope we see more of it. Uh, Salim, as you mentioned, it was nice to see it in the game last night. I really hope we see more of it because I think that's going to be a style more conducive to winning in the postseason. So, let me ask you this though when when it does happen in the playoffs in terms of isolation coming out which is very common because at some point teams know everything you're going to run and it just comes down to your guy having better offense than their guy uh how much faith do you have in demar right now being able to translate what he's done in the regular season to the playoffs I actually think it works more in his favor um, because defenses are going to be more keyed in on him. He is really, really hard to guard with his little pull-up and or little step back in, in the lane. Mm-hmm. And he's so good at drawing fouls, as we've seen. And so I think, you know, d- defenders, it's kind of a mixed bag because defenders are going to be more on him. He may see more traps, double teams, that kind of thing. Um, but they're also going to be more aggressive in trying to stop him. And he's going to be able to bait a lot of people, <laughs> I think, into fouls. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's just been so efficient this year. So I don't see anything that he's done in the regular season season being unsustainable in the playoffs, other than maybe the volume. Um, you know, the game's going to slow down, but I think that that benefits DeMar's game. Um, and if we can keep enough spacing around him, to have him make the right decision in those plays. He doesn't have to isolate, but he can take advantage of those isolation situations and make the right play out of it, whether it's actually shooting or finding a cutter, finding, you know, someone three point line. So I do think uh, for some reason, a lot of people 
think DeMar is a playoff choker because like six or seven years ago, he mm-hmm. had a really bad series in Toronto. But he was good for San Antonio, and it's been a long time, and he's a different player, and he's in a different environment. Um, I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be, at least on the offensive end, um, I, I think he's going to be great. So yeah. I'm excited to see him do that because drawing fouls and scoring in isolation are two things that you need to have in your back pocket as a playoff team. And we've got, uh, you know, Zach and DeMar who are both really skilled at those things. I think, I think that's the thing that I'm like partly concerned about is the spacing. And like, we, mm-hmm. we've, we talked about it a bunch of times this year, but when you have guys like, you know, Gravante on the floor or, you know, if Jones is on the floor or Patrick Williams is on the floor, it's easier to leave those guys and key in on whoever the ball handler is. And you can just kind of, you know, take whatever you're going to get with those guys. So it's going to be interesting to see what they ultimately choose to close with when they get into the playoffs. Because, uh, I mean, uh, uh, there's a bunch of possessions lately where it, it just seems like when you have Javante Green on the floor, they're just kind of like, okay. Yeah, well, I think that's where the Lonzo ball loss (laughs) really hurts you because Lonzo, not only is he shooting, you know, like eight threes a game at over 40%, like that's a huge clip Mm. of threes that you're just not having. But he's also such an amazing passer that he finds advantages that a lot of other guys on the team just can't see and can't find in time. And so you're really missing that playmaking ability and and just the, the volume shooting. And, you know, you're basically relying on Zach, who hasn't been as consistent this year and is going to have a lot of defenses keyed in on him, you know, versus Lonzo, who doesn't, right? He's not he's not garnering double teams uh, when he has the ball. So, he, you know, his spacing is really important. Kobe being consistent is going to be really important uh, in the postseason. Io and Patrick, even though they're low volume, they got to be able to knock down their shots. And I think Javante, mm-hmm. I mean, Javante's done a great job for, for what it's worth. But you're right. Like the spacing just isn't the same. They can they can ignore him. Teams are willing to let Javante shoot five or six threes on any given night, and they'll live with the result no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah that's going to be a, a, a big part that we miss for, for as far as Lonzo, just because of his ability to bring pressure on defense, space the floor offensively. And obviously, like you said, as a connector, he, he's such a good guy that moves the ball. He doesn't the ball doesn't really stick to Lonzo's hands a lot. And that's that's helpful on the offensive end. So that's definitely gonna be something that's important. But someone that did come back recently, uh, that we've all were you know, disappointed that he missed so much time is Patrick Williams. Um, what have you seen from him so far? Obviously, it's it's very small sample size. I know there's not a lot we can take necessarily away from it, but I think there's been positive signs from Pat as far as what he's what he's brought to the team and what he's produced even in the small sample size so far. So what have you seen from Pat so far that you've liked um, and you think that maybe if he could maybe keep going and help us in the, in the playoffs potentially? Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough because – you know, just like Kobe, who was out for several months, his first couple of games were really rough. Now, now Pat's had a, a decent showing, I think, in, in basically every game. Um, and he's doing a lot of things he was doing before. Um, but he did mention the aggressiveness factor. So I think I know it's something he's focused on. He did make his first three. But now that wrist injury, even though it's two, is, is offhand. Uh, it does affect things. And so he, his conditions looked pretty good, I would say, uh, better than I, I would have expected. But um, 
I'm kind of interested to see what, what you guys have thought because I'm, it's kind of about, about what I expected him to be. I just, you know, expect him to be kind of rusty and a little bit, you know, not out of shape, but not in, not in peak basketball shape because you just can't really do that unless you're actually playing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, his, his minutes have been good and I think he's been productive. I think his defense is still a work in progress. He's got all the tools. You can tell yeah, that he's got good instincts and hands. Um, I love to steal on Thad um, uh, that he had when they played the Raptors where he, Thad was trying to um, pass it back out to the top of the key and, and Pat just kind of almost saw it from behind and put his big old paws out there and, and got a finger on it and uh, got the, the transition bucket. So, you know, those are things that we need. We need those active hands. We need his length, his size, especially on this team. So I think he's going to be really important. I do. And I was hoping this would be the case. And I do like that Billy's been playing them more off the bench than in, you know, as a starter, I think that's the right move. And I, I think Javante, um, you know, or Caruso or whoever he wants to put in there for defensive purposes, I think it's the right move. So Overall, I've, I've been pleasantly surprised by what Pat's been doing, but I wanted to see what you guys thought specifically because I haven't watched as many games of him as you guys have. Yeah, I, I'm. he's giving me what I expected so far. Like I, I said when he came back, I'm glad he's coming back. I think the biggest positive to take away is that he's going to get to play again this season and just get his, you know, get his legs underneath him and get some – time with this team before the off season comes around and then going into next season. I think that's the biggest positive. Um, and I said, like anything else he gives us is a bonus. Like, I don't think we should expect Pat to provide any type of solution to our rotation or, uh, or even like people are, you already saying, start him, start him, start him. And it's like, you know, let's, let's see how that goes because I don't know if his conditioning is like you mentioned his conditioning. I don't know if his conditioning is up to par yet because Billy's been hesitant to up his minutes. That could be part of it. Um, I've seen, you know, like the positive, positive things I've seen him, like like he's a couple of times he's made good cuts to the basket. I feel like he's been a little more aggressive on the on the boards than he normally has been in past in the past. Um, obviously, the rebounding numbers, raw numbers aren't like popping up, but I feel like I've I've seen him be a little more uh, more aggressive on and more cognitive attacking the the defensive boards at least I should say and maybe sometimes he's passing up shots I feel like yesterday he probably passed up two shots that he should have taken but outside of that like I say yeah I think I've, he's giving me what I expected from him and I think more so it's about next season for Pat as opposed to this season yeah I I fall in the same line I think last week we were talking about how even though he's coming back it's great that he's back because I mean he very easily it's very possible he could have just, you know, elected to, you know, like miss the season or whatever. But it's great that he's back, but we weren't we were never going to expect him to come in and just be like some sort of savior or some some sort of significant difference maker. Like he looks about what you would expect a guy who's missed, what, like four months, like he hadn't played since November, I think. Was it October? Like, so it was it, the first he, week of November. Yeah. 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 So. He looks about what I would expect. The same type of player. Defense is okay. I, I think he's still kind of getting in the groove there. O- offensively, he's he's still showing a willingness to say three. You know, he passed up like a few like attempts like once, but uh, 
I think he like he's about what I would expect. I'm not sure what we're gonna really get from him in the playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised in the playoffs if his limit if his minutes are limited a little bit. Like maybe he plays like like ten minutes or so. I mean, I, I I don't see him playing a whole bunch in the playoffs, and I definitely would not fall in the camp of let's start him now. Like I, I think he has to show a lot more for Billy Donovan to really reach that level. But he's been all right, and I think it's good that we actually have a body back in him because of his size because of what he can potentially do defensively because of what he can potentially do uh, you know moving without the basketball so it's good to have him back but I don't think we need to just throw him in the fire considering the circumstances and you know it's interesting again we talk about his conditioning like Billy set his minutes restrictions at 24 and he hasn't come close to hitting those minutes even yeah like you look I think he played 18 twice and outside of that, he's been like 14, 17, uh, less than he's not been close to, like, to, to, to the 24 minute mark. So, and it's a good range too. I, I think that's working out better. Like, <laughs> right, right. And I, like I said, you know, like, I mean, you look at his raw numbers and I feel like in the, in the minutes that he's playing, his production is not bad. I think it's like, like you feel like he's producing out there. And if he was probably out there for 25, 30 minutes, you probably see better production overall, like in his raw numbers. And and like Chris mentioned, obviously defensively, there's a so potential for him. You're seeing mistakes, but at the same time, you see the ability for him to be a disruptor on defense, um, especially when you talk about them trying to do more trapping stuff with the point guard, blitzing the point guard or the ball handler, I should say more so. Um, that could be a big part where Pat comes into play because obviously not only – as a as a blitzer himself because of his long reach and arms he could maybe knock the ball loose often with with, with the with the ball handler but if he's asked to be a help side defender he's athletic enough where he can be where he can probably help out on the big but also then get back on the shooter uh in the corners if that you know if if the big is able to uh, pass pass out of the short roll, but yeah, I think like I said, overall my my assessment of Pat is like I think he's fine. Like I don't know, I don't think we should be expecting a lot more from him at this point. Well, I mean, he was drafted for his potential, right? He was not the most polished guy in that draft, right. and and it was it was a reach in the sense that you know it was there was a lot of potential there. He has he has so many good skills and he's got great instincts and he's got great size, you know, and, and physicality and, and just physical tools in general. And so a lot of what he's doing is going to be what he's been doing and, and showing that potential. But the problem is he just hasn't had enough time. Mm-hmm. He played his whole rookie year, which was great, um, but he didn't even get, you know, a training camp. And then he came into this training camp with a messed up ankle, played five games, missed the whole preseason. Like he's just... It's been so inconsistent, and I know it's, you know, I'm not going to make an excuse because it's never perfect. It's never, like, exactly what you want. But the the guy's played, like, barely more than half of his, you know, two seasons and and no training camp and uh, and no preseason and only one, <laughs> one uh, summer league. It's just been a really, really rough start for him as far as the, you know, the circumstances around his playing time. But I agree with you guys. I don't think it, I don't think we should expect a whole lot. He's just gonna if he can give you 15 minutes and give you seven or eight points and a few rebounds and assist and you know a block or a steal or something. I mean that's 
I think that's sufficient for right now. Um, and, you know, one of the concerns that we had when all these moves were made to win now was that Pat's development was going to probably take a back seat to a lot of these other things. And, and I think we're going to see that. And we need him to be better than he is now, of course. And I know he wants to be. Um, but that's not going to happen overnight. And it's certainly not going to happen this season with how much time he's missed. I really wish, you know, we've seen so much growth from from Io and Kobe, I think, this year in a lot of ways. Uh, Kobe, especially on the defensive end, I think he's been much more consistent and in the right spots and things. And then Io has just been a revelation in a lot of ways. But I just... I wish that we could have seen Patrick in those situations more. So, you know, that's, that's the bummer. It's not so much that, you know, where his production is now, but I think just the, just the time and the reps on court that he's missed is going to be a detriment to him no matter what. So I would love to see him play in the playoffs, but as you guys said, it may be just be 10 minutes and that may be fine. That mm-hmm. may be fine. That may, may be all we need from him. We'll see. Do you, do you still think it was the right call in terms of how they approached the trade deadline to, kind of protect Patrick Williams from any trades? I do. Um, I felt like we could have made some more moves on the margin Mm. that we didn't make, but I do think it was the right thing at that point not to trade Pat, given the state of the team um, around the deadline and the injuries and the fact that we were going to be, at that point, we were going to be missing Lonzo Crusoe for like another month or so. Yeah. Um, that's a tough spot to be in to try and go all in the season where, and Zach was also showing signs of, of having these knee issues. So I do think it was the right call. And uh, you guys mentioned next year kind of being the year that you're looking forward to in a lot of ways. And I think I am too, because this year has been, um, from an injury and missed game standpoint has been the year from hell. <laughs> uh, I've loved watching this team for the most part. And I really believe that they can be, uh, a really quality playoff team, but man, they have just been hammered by every misfortune possible so far. And it's, uh, it's, it's a shame because I really think the season has been uh, a wild success in every other aspect. I'm, I'm intrigued by how Zach has responded. Obviously the big concern with his injury has been like, that's gonna, that's gonna affect him for the rest of the season. Uh, but coming off the all-star break after he had like, the procedure done like it was like draining his knee and they put some kind of lubricant to kind of i don't know what the lubricant like the purpose was of the lubricant just to give him more like relief i don't know what it was for I, obviously i'm not a doctor so i don't really understand the science behind it but um he seemed like more hesitant on the way he was playing as opposed to just his knee being a problem and i think the last like this past week, you've seen a, a complete change in his mindset and how he's approaching each game. Um, that's been mostly the fact that it almost seems like his knee isn't a problem. And going into this offseason, I guess that's going to be the question. Like, is he going to have to get it, some kind of procedure done? Or if it's, it's just going to be like, hey, just rest your knee, rehab it like that, and then you'll be good to go next season. So that's another thing with the injury side. I'm very interested to see what happens. Yeah, actually, with, with Zach, it's interesting because I, I think I said around All-Star break, we hadn't seen a lot of Zach games this season. And I know, you know, he, he busted his thumb for the first month. I can't, like, as I'm remembering more injuries, it's, it's more ridiculous. Yeah, um, I forgot about but, I mean, thumb. he was he was shooting like 20-something percent from three for like the first yeah. month. And just you could tell he was 
losing the ball. And anyways, um, he hasn't had those Zach takeover games very often this year, but you're right. I think the mentality has changed more recently. You can, you kind of see a little bit more, more of the old Zach. And I think some of it is definitely deferring to DeMar who's been, you know, talked about as an MVP candidate this year in, in some respects uh, and, and his ascendance to kind of the top of the pecking order in the offense in some ways, you know, that's going to have an effect on Zach, but you know, with time, with comfortability, he's going to get uh, into better spots and find his rhythm and find his role in the offense. And, and we need Zach to be Zach. He can't, he can't be second fiddle uh, to DeMar and just kind of defer to him all the time. Like DeMar's carrying a lot and we've seen it uh, with these rest games recently that, that he's been having. And the man just has a lot on his shoulders. So, you know, Zach's had a lot of health issues. And so I think that's probably contributed as well. But my understanding from what was reported about Zach's knee is that really it's just going to require rest in the off season to kind of get back to normal. Um, and I hope it's not long-term. I'm also really interested to see, and I know this is probably too early to talk about this, but Zach's free agency is coming up and the state of the team has been kind of a mess recently. So I think there's probably some real consternation in the front office about his future. Um, even though the most likely option is probably him taking the money. And then if he really is pissed off later, then he can just ask for a trade like every other star does. Um, that's what I would do if I were in his position. But, you know, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of leverage he has as a free agent um, for the Bulls and, and how that affects the rest of their season. I it's, I guess, you know, there's been some people that brought that up. I'm not concerned. I don't know why people like people seem like kind of like weary just because of the recent play, I guess, of the Bulls. But I feel like it's it comes down to where they've I think Zach is happy with what the, the direction of the franchise has been. They've obviously shown that they've done a lot to build around him. I think it just really comes down to them not you know, kind of playing around with him, just give him the offer him the five year max. I mean, he's not going to get the super max at this point. Cause I, I, I doubt he makes an all NBA team. So is this going to come down to the regular max and don't fudge with him? Just say here, five years, 200, I think what's 200 million or something like that. Here you go, Zach, because that's what your market value is. That's what you're worth. You're a two-time all-star or essentially at this point, you're a perennial all-star, uh, that's what perennial all-stars are making at this at this point in, in the NBA. That's the economics of the NBA. And if you're somebody out there who's listening or a fan out there that thinks that Zach isn't worth the match, you're just not somebody that's thinking critically. Uh, you look at the, the player Zach is and compare him to other players of Zach's caliber, they're making as that that's how much you're making. So it's not a question about him being a max player anymore. And I think that's all that comes down to as far as from the Bulls perspective is don't play around with him. Five years, two hundred mil. That's gonna be what's gonna happen. And I don't I don't foresee Zach being unhappy as well as where the Bulls are at. You know, crazier things have happened, but I'm inclined to agree. I think Zach doesn't seem unhappy to me and I think as long as the front office doesn't, you know, play around like they're not hesitant and they're trying to like lowball him, then I think he comes back. But if they're like, eh, we don't, we're not going to do the full max, then I think there could be some trouble. And honestly, I, I think you really just have to, you can't play around with it. Just give him the money. It's like you said, this is this is the going rate for a player of Zach's caliber these days. 
We've had him on a bargain contract for the last four years. He's earned it. And he's still, even though he's battled with these injuries this year, he's still been really, really good. Like, he's still, like, just under 48% from the field and, like, just under 40% from three and averaging, like, about 25, five and four. And, like, true shooting is in the 60s still. He's still a really good player and an all-star level player at that. So, I, I would just give him the money. So, like I said, crazier things have happened. So it it's possible, but I don't know. I, I don't get the hint that he might leave. Yeah, and by all means, if Zach wants to take a little less money, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to be opposed to that, but I, I would just offer him the five-year max, and if he takes wants to say, okay, I'll take a little less, it's fine. Yeah. But, like, yeah, <laughs> I just don't – I don't – like I said, I don't – I don't – I'm not worried about Zach leaving. I'm, I'm more worried about let's see what else AK and – Mark can do to improve this team. Yeah, uh, in, in this offseason. That's I think that's the key too. Because uh, so we have a we have our first round pick this year. We're not going to get Portland's pick, I believe. Right? Yeah, we're not getting Portland's pick. Right. So, but it's still in our pocket as an asset. Yeah, it's still in our pocket as an asset. Potentially trade. And then I, I don't know the numbers. So I don't know how, how close we are going to be to a tax and everything like that. But I assume that we would have. A, some sort of taxpayers MLE. I don't think we have the biannual exception because we use right. Uh, we signed Tristan Thompson for more than uh his uh which I'm gonna call it. I used to be really good at these terms, but <laughs> better <laughs> we, minimum. Yeah, there we go. Right, right, right. There yeah. we go. <laughs> yes, the future minimum. <laughs> but yeah, we signed a more than that. So uh, I, I think we have some decent resources to polish this team up. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't think Zach's. I don't think yeah. Zach is in danger. I, I, I'm more interested to read more about like what the knee, like the problem with his knee is, and like what that projects to be like going forward. For sure, and and I'm you know in bringing that up, I I also I agree with you guys completely. I don't think Zach's going anywhere, and I don't think the Bulls have any reason to offer him less than the max uh, because that's what he's worth. It, I do. I do think it's more interesting in the context of of team building going forward. Um, his salary, his new salary, assuming he does get the max, is basically going to take Derek Jones and Troy Brown's salaries and just add it to what Zach's making currently. It's like another fifteen million. I think it's around right. thirty three or thirty four that he'd be making next year. Mm. So with that, you're losing two rotation players, um, you know, two players uh, that have been in the rotation at least uh, for much of the season, and. Um, you know, we're going to have a first round pick next year. And, um, you know, <laughs> we're going to have to add some more talent somehow, as you mentioned, with it, maybe a taxpayer MLE or something. But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. But, you know, first things first, I really want to see what they do in the playoffs. I think this is going to, it's going to come down, it's going to be Billy's time to really shine because I think he's going to be at a disadvantage versus a lot of these coaches that he may be facing, you know, Spo and Nick nurse, um, are both really great tacticians. And, you know, even though doc isn't a great tactician, he's just got a really great, t- great team. Um, <laughs> I, I think Billy can outcoach Nolzer and doc, but not the other two. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Spo and nurse are going to be a problem. Uh, I think he's probably, but you know, he, coaches improve over time too. And I think he's, right. he's been a really good coach. I think overall this season, I've really liked most of what he's done. 
So I'm, I'm looking to see him change the narrative on his postseason success as well, because I think he's gotten a lot of criticism for his coaching in the postseason in the past. Is there a team that if we stay in the driver's seat to five, I guess want is a uh, maybe not the right word because all of these teams are really good. But is there a team that we think we have the best chance at beating in a four or five matchup? Man, that's maybe, tough. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking maybe Miami, just some the recent stuff, maybe there's more to their, uh, like, issues. Like, with obviously with Jimmy recently blowing up on the bench with and Spo challenging. Uh, Look like maybe he was challenging Spo to a fight. I don't know what happened there. I love Jimmy, but that's kind of crazy. Like, I don't know what he did there. And then obviously Aslam and, you know, they – they've supposedly kind of washed that away, but they lost two more games after that incident. They're on a four game losing streak. So maybe Miami is a team. The bulls kind of have to hope falls to that fourth seed. Yeah, that's tough because I think Miami has the least complete team uh, out of them, Philly, um, the bucks and the Celtics who are the other top four teams right now. The Celtics have been on a tear uh, recently, they basically swapped with the Bulls. Bulls are dominant the first three months. Now the Celtics are dominant the last three months, and now we've right. become the disappointing mediocre mm. team. Um, <laughs> but they're, you know, Emo Doka is a new coach. Right. His their defense is really really good, and Tatum has started making all of his tough shots again, rather than being below league average for the first few months. He remembered he and was then, good. He remembered he was really good. Again. He remembered he was actually really good at making tough shots. Yeah. I hate watching him, but he's really good. Can he, can yeah. he, for, can he forget again in the next two weeks? Perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but it's just, it's Spo, though, that I really worry about with the Miami Heat. I almost, I almost want the Bucks. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy. Oh, my Lord. But I do yeah. pick the Bucks out of those four teams. It's, you know, it's funny. I, I said, earlier like i feel like the bucks we could beat but like has brooke lopez changed her defense again i i was i was almost concerned and thinking like brooke might not be able to help them much because of his back surgery but last game we played them he looked like a big impact as far as what they were what they want to do defensively uh, defensively on a night-to-night basis so that's something that concerns me now that if their defense is back to being that that force and that that's probably a problem because before that they had like I think without Brooke Lopez they're like twenty seventh in the league in defense. Yeah, I want no part of Milwaukee. Let me just say that. Uh <laughs> like I, I don't want any part of them. Uh I, I tend to agree with uh Chris that Miami is cause cause they don't really have a uh Jimmy and Bam are great. Lowry's great. I mean, Hero's been having a, a great year, but they don't have they're they're like us. They don't really have that like top ten guy or a guy who's playing like a top ten guy or a guy who's playing like a top five guy. You know, so I I think there that gives you a little bit of a chance, even if Spo's coaching is a great edge to have. But to go into a series against a team that doesn't clearly have that guy playing at that level right now is something that I would prefer in a 5-4 matchup or a 4-5 matchup. So I, I would think I would take Miami. And it would be a really entertaining series. I mean, with Jimmy going to Chicago and all that stuff. Yeah. And there's some there's some similarities, similarities too, in terms of like personnel and stuff too. Like I, I think 
I think it'll be a really fun series. But uh, yeah, I, w- I want no part of Milwaukee. Philly, please don't. Uh, Boston. I mean, if Tatum and Brown are playing like they are right now, then yeah. And Ime is kind of a wild card as far as, or kind of an unknown as far as what he's going to do in the playoffs as a coach. But uh, yeah, I, I think I'd lean towards Miami. Yeah, like Miami, I'm scared of Spo more than anything. Like just like what he'll do as far as tactically against the Bulls gaming wise. But you look at Boston, I, I, Boston's defense terrifies me. I just feel like they'll completely shut down the Bulls offense. Um, like their defense was already good. And then at the deadline, they added Derek White, who was another just a pest on defense. Um, obviously, the top teams like Philly is, is scary. Maybe it'll be fun. It'll be funny to see if they, if, if Brooklyn ends up at the eighth seed. I, I think they'll probably end up at the seventh. But even if they do, maybe if Philly ends up at the second, that'd be fun if they can uh, knock Philly out. Even if even if the Bulls don't have a chance of getting out of the second uh, first round, it would still be funny to see uh, the uh, the Nets knock off Philly. The whole point, guys. The whole point of the season was to avoid the top four teams as long as possible. Just completely screwed ourselves by Uh, becoming the fifth seed and and letting them sneak in because it would have been so much nicer to face the Raptors, the Cavs in the first round, or or even the Hawks. Um, But yeah, it's going to be really funny. Whoever plays the Nets is going to be really unhappy with themselves (laughs) because they're going to get Kyrie... And um, and hopefully Ben Simmons, you know, and KD in the first round. It'd be really fun to see Nets Philly in the first round as like the one eight or the two seven. And then right. I would love to see Heat Hawks as as the as the uh, the other one, right? Either two seven or one eight, depending on where they go. If they stay at the top two seeds, and then you know it would be Bucks. It, it probably it might be Bucks. Um, I think that Toronto's might stick in that six seed. I think they're six seed now, but Bucks, uh, Bucks Raptors would be really fun. And then it's going to be Celtics and the uh, Bulls, which is going to be really exciting. So not, there's really no, there's no good matchup in the East for the first round. There really isn't. It's just, it's all bad. So <laughs> it's going to be a bloodbath <laughs> no matter what. And we're not healthy. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I keep, I keep sticking to Miami. Like, is it a possibility that they, they fall so bad that we somehow get home court of it. <laughs> like I'm, I'm just, I'm just curious to see how bad this thing is for them. Like, like I said, they're, they're four games or they've lost. Like they lost to Philly and the Warriors, but Philly didn't have Embiid and Harden and the Warriors essentially had like, didn't have stuff, I think. And obviously they're without Draymond. Um, so yeah, I, I think, uh, I think that it, it'll be interesting to see as far as where they fall. And maybe it'd be kind of crazy if we could end up with home court uh, over them. But yeah, I think it, it's frustrating that the bulls are ended up in this spot uh, as far as, as far as their seating is concerned. Obviously we were hoping that they would have home court in the first round and a top three, four seed in general. Yeah. It, uh, it honestly doesn't feel that long ago when we were talking about which teams we wanted to avoid as we sat uh, pretty in the, first seed or second seed so it, yeah it's, it's just a tale of two seasons and it's just been really unfortunate like chris was saying i i forgot about some of the injuries that happened this season i forgot about zach levine's thumb it kind of seems like a, a footnote on the year uh real quick before we wrap up uh let's get uh 
everyone's take on how we're going to uh, finish this week. Uh, so uh, this week the Bulls are playing. And I had the schedule up. Hold on one second. All right, so uh, Knicks are on Monday. Washington Tuesday, Clippers on Thursday, and Miami Saturday. So uh, let's start with you, Chris. How do you see them uh, performing this week with this stretch? I think they should go three and one. I think they should beat the Knicks, Wizards, and Clips. Um, I I would love to. They need to go three and one. <laughs> they, mm. need to, they need to go four and zero. Oh, but really, but it'd be. Um, It'd be really nice if they could just just take care of the teams that are behind them in the standings. That would be really nice, especially the Knicks. Like it's just always nice to beat the Knicks. Right? Yeah, they they have to beat the Knicks, Wizards, and and Clippers. You have to beat them. Um, the, I mean, like the Knicks. I don't. I know it's it's going to be in in Madison Square Garden, and you know Tibbs is going to probably still having them play hard. Uh, I think they're six and four in the last 10 games, but still, I mean, you're a better team. I don't need to see them blowing the Knicks out, but like just come away with the win there. And obviously the wizards have been a team that's not, that's like well behind as well. They're not, a, a, they're not a play in team. Either are the Knicks obviously, but you know, you, you want to take care of that team. And then at home against the Clippers, you're, you're a good home team and they won't have obviously Kawhi and Paul George. So you sh- that should be a win. You know that that's not uh, debatable to me. And then Miami, like I said, we'll see. Who knows what where Miami's at as far as the team internally? So maybe you can steal that. But like I, I agree with Chris, three and one it should be the expectations, and that's what I think will happen. Yeah, I, I want to see three and one. Uh, two and two wouldn't surprise me, but I want to see three and one. <laughs> um, I, I, I honestly, yeah, three and one I think is the most likely here it'd be kind of a sub, i don't know but yeah I'll, I'll say three and one hopefully i'm not being too optimistic here but i thought i was being kind of optimistic with two and two last week but yeah three and one sounds about right <laughs> uh yeah exactly so i mean there there isn't an excuse you know they have to they have to take care of like these teams that like like we talk about the Knicks, the wizards the clippers those teams that are are not as good as you you know mm-hmm. you have to take care of those and you and they have been really taking care of those teams all season so yeah. we shouldn't uh for the most part they have i mean recently they've had a couple of you know hiccups with like kings and the pelicans um they've they've lost a couple of the teams like that but but yeah i i think i think when you look at it at logically it, it just makes sense that they'll, they should be able to take care of those two type of teams um, and have a successful week absolutely uh chris any final words before we wrap up i really appreciate you guys having me on it's it's always fun to talk to bulls and i know it's always a, a fun scheduling uh miss out for me i got kids <laughs> and my kid woke up from his nap during this so i apologize for the delay but it's, um, it's been it's just been fun to talk about the bulls with you guys and i you know, have high, high hopes for the rest of the season. Hopefully everyone can get healthy. Hopefully Lonzo can come back before the postseason if possible. But um, I do think the Bulls are just on a much better trajectory than they were a year ago. And we've seen a lot of growth. And, you know, even when like Vooch and DeMar leave in a couple of years, having guys like Zach, Pat, and Io, 
Lonzo and Caruso. Like this is a fun team. It's just fun to watch. And, you know, there's always ups and downs in the season and we're definitely in the dredges of it right now. But, you know, I, 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 I do say overall, this has been really, really fun. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you guys. You guys are the best in the business. Uh, and not only because you're on the Barroom Network <laughs> uh, and, and you're great guys, but you guys just really, you guys just do a great job. And I love listening to you guys uh, all the time and always happy to be on. So appreciate you getting me out of my short retirement here uh, from Bulls basketball to, to get me talking. It was a great time. Thank you guys. Hey, listen, man, if you, if you want to come on and talk Bulls anytime uh, with us, that's you're open like every weekend. Uh, just booking a time right <laughs> we, we can have chris we can add you i would say we can add you as a co-host that's we're we're more than more than happy to do that we can make we can change it to uh uh bulls uh bulls collective uh the name bulls of the collective. Bulls collective i think i'll get a letter from brian windhorse about that one. <laughs> oh man yeah i hope the retirement is kind of like a tom brady one where it's like maybe like a few weeks so <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely needed the break, um, but I I, re, I really do appreciate the the offer, Salim, as you as you know, um, and I you know definitely definitely be on again and, and hoping to do something with with basketball, uh, if not these this season next season, just just on a little bit of a hiatus that I, I needed, I think, and right. Um, but the Bulls are in good hands as far as the 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 community and podcasting and, and stuff like, I don't think we've ever had a better set of guys um, doing, doing both content. So you guys are doing a great job and, you know, our friends at CHGO are doing a great job and, mm. and lots and lots of other people, our friends are doing a great job. So it's just a fun time in, in bulls land. And I'm, I'm just happy to be part of it. Yeah. 100%. Everybody out in the Bulls community, always really supportive. You know, we've all been on each other's shows and different things like that. And it's just always great kicking it with everyone, especially you right here on the Barroom Network. So, uh, yeah. And and that's the other thing, too, with this season, like there's been some rough patches, but man, this has still been a really, really fun and entertaining season the most in a long long time so all of this was so necessary for bulls fans and just so well worth the wait i think so you know even if we head into the playoff as a 50 60 whatever like we're still getting basketball that we normally would not have gotten in recent times so i'm i'm really appreciative of that uh salim any final thoughts before we wrap up yeah thankful for chris for joining us i'm excited what happens for the rest of the season i'm um, I think, like I said, before we start recording, I think if they can finish the season four and four, they avoid the plan. Mm. Like they got eight games left. So if they can go four and four, I think they avoid the plan. And we finally get uh playoff basketball back, at least for the uh, Chicago bulls. That is, uh, they're not, they're no Chicago sky yet, but yeah, maybe eventually they can get there, uh, match a uh, match up with the, uh, uh, Chicago's guy, the, and the WNBA, obviously that they're the, the, they're the king of, of, or Queens of Chicago, uh, or Chicago basketball right now, I should say. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll hopefully the bulls can match up with them and uh shout out to Lero. Um, I know we yeah, were very happy for him. Uh, obviously he's doing great stuff with, uh, CIS, uh, He's, yeah, he's. I'm just happy for everything that he's accomplished, um, and obviously this is for him. It's just a starting point. I think he's he's gonna he's gonna be doing big things in no time. So we're happy for him as well. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to Lero. 
again thank you so much to chris for uh dropping by and always providing us his insight on the bulls as well uh as always you can catch past episodes of bulls go right here on the barroom network on spotify on apple wherever you get your podcasts and for salim sudawala i'm edward shuler this has been bulls gold and we will catch you next time bulls fans recording <laughs>